0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's Lost Ladies of Lit mini-episode. I'm Kim Askew.
1: And I'm Amy Helms. Thanks for tuning in. Our last featured book was Diary of a Provincial Lady by E.M. Delafield. And the narrator in that book is never referred to by any name, and a lot of the other characters are referred to in the most generic terms, like the vicar's wife and the name of the children's french nurse is mademoiselle. in the case of this book it worked really well to keep a lot of the names very non-specific.
0: yeah, naming characters is really tough.
1: i mean when it comes to our books i just have always agonized over the name situation. i find myself on those like baby name websites <laughs> like dissecting the meaning of the name to figure out if i can work that in somehow. it's it's tough because you want it to be perfect.
0: Yeah, you want that name to feel like, oh, of course, the person was born with that name. And the fact that we have our novels based on Shakespeare plays helps us a little bit because we have a starting point as something to riff off of. But it's still a challenge to find something that's exactly right. And we've even changed some of our names midway through a manuscript because we were either calling them the wrong name or it sounded too much like another character's name. So that's happened.
1: Yeah, so many times in our writing, whether it's a script or a book, we'll say so and so, but not really so and so, because we know that that's not going to be their permanent name, but we have to refer to them as something. But
0: what do you think is the key to a good character name in a book? Well, it has to stick with you. So you have to you don't want to be going back and saying who is that? You want it to roll off your tongue, you want to sound natural and apropos to the character. But unless you're writing satire or something, you don't really want to veer off into like oddball territory unless you're Charles Dickens, I guess.
1: (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) So yeah. So speaking of Charles Dickens, I heard about Martin Chuzzlewit, um, mm-hmm. that he, before he chose that name, he had a bunch of other names in mind, like um, Martin Sweezeldin,
0: <laughs> Martin
1: Sweezelback, Martin Chuzzletoe, Martin Chubblewig, Martin Chuzzlewig, before he finally settled on, what was it again? Now I don't even know the... the Martin Chuzzlewit. Yes.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So any of those names actually could have worked, I think, but it's yeah. just he's so good at naming characters. Um, he's the Undisputed Master. Uriah Heep, Ebenezer Scrooge, Fezzy Wig. They're all mm. great. Mm-hmm.
1: He actually even had a character who was a mean schoolmaster in hard times that was called Mr. Machokum Child. I mean, so hilarious in its literalness there.
0: Yeah, that's a memorable and terrifying one. (laughs) So let's talk about our favorite character names in books. But before we do, I just remembered, did you know that Hal from uh, 2001 Space Odyssey, the novel by Arthur C. Clarke, um, is consecutively and alphabetically one letter off from IBM? I did know that. Actually, it's a very good jeopardy question, right? But yep. I know that because my friend's dad
1: worked at IBM and she told me that anecdote and I always remembered it because how cool. Yeah. Open the pod bay doors, Hal.
0: I'm sorry, Dave. I'm afraid I can't do that. <laughs> You're um, not
1: as creepy as Hal. Sorry.
0: Okay, good. I tried. <laughs> no. um. So for me, I'd have to say Raymond Chandler's detective, Philip Marlowe, is one of my favorite names in all of literature. I love the character, first of all. And I also love the surname Marlowe is the same as Christopher Marlowe. He's, of course, the other Elizabethan playwright. And there is a connection, too, between Chandler and Marlowe. Chandler took the name, apparently it said, from Marlowe House, which is the house he belonged to when he attended an English boarding school, Dulwich College. Marlowe House at Dulwich College was named for Christopher Marlowe.
1: I like it. I like when they have, you know, connections, other meanings, you Mm -hmm. know, things like that. They're not just pulled out of thin air. Uh, What about sexy leading men in books like those characters? I've Got to give it to Heathcliff from Wuthering Heights. Even though when I was a kid and I read Wuthering Heights, I always was thinking of the cat, Heathcliff, (laughs) the cartoon cat. (laughs) But now for me, Heathcliff is just that unforgettable hottie, you know? I mean, and his name is unforgettable as well.
0: Okay, aside from the, the cat Heathcliff, would now has completely ruined it. Have I ruined it? Oh, no, i, I I've somehow ruined it. I didn't really think about the two together because I was going to say Heathcliff is a beautiful, it's a very sexy name. I mean, it's really good. Um, and then there's Fitzsimmons Darcy. A lot of people don't actually know his first name, but it's Fitzsimmons that's too
1: much of a mouthful, actually, really. Can you imagine if we had to keep reading Fitzsimmons like over and over in Pride and Prejudice? <laughs> I'm glad I it would just stuck, stuck to asleep. Mr. Darcy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, but speaking of uh, sexy guy names from novels that are a mouthful, the one that I've always loved saying is Ralph DeBricasar. <laughs> I don't know, but DeBricasar <laughs> from... It's just It's fun to let that roll off your tongue. And I think Ralph combined with DeBricasar is just the weirdest contrast.
0: So I don't think I'll ever forget that name.
1: Nor will oh I forget God. watching that with you. Like, <laughs> that's however,
0: so that's one of our great. We have so many great memories of watching this kind of stuff together.
1: We um, laughed
0: so hard watching. that We did movie. laugh really hard. Um, I like Sir Percy Blakeney and his um, pseudonym, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Oh yeah, the Scarlet Pimpernel. Now I
1: haven't. An- <laughs> I, don't, I hate to do this to you, but I have another association that's always weird in my head with that one, <laughs> which is pumpernickel. That always comes up too when I hear Scarlett <laughs> pimpernel. I think when I was younger, I would always like equate that, but I hope I didn't that's great. Really ruin it. I think pimpernel no, is didn't. a flower, right? Yes, it is. Yeah. Okay. And actually, about that book, I just learned that that book was written by a woman. I had no idea.
0: Yeah, it's Baroness Orksey. I hope I'm pronouncing it right. And she was a real person, obviously, but her name sounds straight out of fiction. Yeah, it does. (laughs) Good name. Um, What about Tristram Shandy? People often get that wrong, which I did just now, and say Tristram when it's actually Tristram.
1: Tristram. It's almost a tongue twister. It's hard (laughs) to say that way. But either way, I think it's a good name. You're right. But let's talk about some ladies. Yes. We've got Hester
0: Prynne from The Scarlet Letter. That's a pretty good name. That's really good. And Bathsheba Everdeen from Far From the Maddening Crowd, which many times I have accidentally said Far From the Maddening Crowd because somehow I want to say maddening anyway. Yes, I agree.
1: Anna Karenina, she has to make the list. And if we are going to talk about kids' books, my favorites would be Pippi Longstocking, I love that name. Great. And, her, and Hermione Granger is really good too. She wouldn't be the same if she was just named Lisa or no, something like
0: that. They're so memorable. As is Enigo Montoya. Hello, my name is
1: Enigo Montoya. You killed my father. Prepare to die. <laughs> Can you imagine if his name was just like Paul Rogers. Or even no. Ralph <laughs> <laughs> Ralph, Yeah. Hello. My name is Ralph Um, What about Natty Bumpo from James Fenimore Cooper's Mother mm-hmm. Stocking Tales? I don't even think I read that, but I know that name, Natty Bumpo. Yes. And then Atticus Finch, of course. And Boo Radley from To Kill a Mockingbird. Those are both okay. good ones.
0: I have one that you're going to love. What? Um, um, Horatio Hornblower from the C.S. Forrester oh, series. Oh,
1: You yes. guys, Amy was obsessed
0: with the series. Obsessed I mean, with still
1: it. am obsessed with True. it. True. I Good love point. it. That character name is flat out ridiculous. I acknowledge that. But when I was in my 20s, I read every book in that series. And Yohan Grufford, I don't know how you say his last name. I think name. it's Griffith. Griffith. Griffith, Welsh that's something. like the Welsh Griffith. Yeah. yeah, he he played him in the television miniseries on A and E, and that whole thing was just so swoon worthy. Which the books you got are, me into that, and I loved it. I always love a good seafaring novel, which is kind of funny because I don't, I don't think anybody would look at me and think that I would be into that, but. I have sitting on my nightstand right now, William Golding's To the Ends of the Earth, which is another nautical trilogy. And that was adapted into a BBC miniseries starring Benedict Cumberbatch, which, also a good name.
0: Great name.
1: That's a real name, but I mean, yes. that, that's one somebody would write. It's true.
0: But yeah, love me, my British sailors. <laughs> <laughs> I think you were probably in the British Navy in one of your former loves.
1: Maybe. Uh, But I did discover that I know how to make (laughs) hardtack in case I ever need to do that. Now I know that I can make bread that will last for six months.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. You mentioned that a few months ago. Um, Your attempts at pandemic bread baking didn't really turn out as you expected.
1: No, it was a tremendous fail. So this is when pandemic f- is first starting and everybody's getting into baking bread and there's no bread on the store shelves, right? Mm-hmm. Slim pickings, basically. So I was like, oh, I can make some bread like everybody else that I'm seeing on the internet. And so I used a package of yeast in my cabinet that had probably been sitting there for like tw- 15 years. Something. Maybe not 15, maybe seven <laughs> <said> years.
0: You
1: <laughs> No, it, it was like, yeah, it was a really old envelope. And then I learned that, oh yeah, yeast has a shelf life and it's not seven years. So um, (laughs) that bread came out like a brick. And by that point in time, there was no way you were going to be getting any instant yeast in your grocery orders. It was gone everywhere. I thought, well, maybe I should try making my own yeast from scratch. (laughs) I looked up (laughs) the recipes on the internet. It involves like soaking raisins and grapes on your counter in like sugar water and stuff. The first batch turned out like a layer of mold on the top after a couple of days. <laughs> so I, d- I threw that out, made another batch. The second batch looked like it might actually work. So I made two loaves of bread and they wound up when I baked them, they looked really good. They had a nice crust, perfectly brown. Then I went to cut it and it was just jawbreaker. Oh, so no. I could have taken it on like a six month sailing voyage, but <laughs> I gave up on the bread baking adventure and I will be buying my bread
0: loaves From now on, thank you very much. Okay, that's a great story. And making bread from a starter is truly a lost art. Kudos to everyone out there listening who has picked it up during this pandemic. We're really impressed with you.
1: Kim, have you taken up any lost arts during this
0: pandemic? No, but I have been daydreaming a lot about travel during the pandemic, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners have too. It would be amazing to just go somewhere tropical. Yeah, if only.
1: Well, how about the island of Guadeloupe in the French Antilles? You can go there next week with us on our podcast. Maybe not literally, but figuratively in next week's episode. That's where we're heading. That's exactly right. That was a great segue
0: to the home of our next lost lady, Simone Bart, as well as the setting of her 1972 novel, The Bridge of Beyond.
1: She's an author who we think is very deserving of some more recognition, and we can't wait to discuss her. So catch up with us again next week.
0: For more information on this episode, as well as further reading material, check out our website, lostladiesoflit.com. And if you love this episode, be sure to leave a review. It really helps new listeners find us.
1: Got an idea for a lost lady you'd like to see featured on our show? Let us know. And let us know what you think about the books we've recommended so far. Until next time, bye everyone. Our theme song was written and performed by Jenny Malone, and our logo was designed by Harriet Grant. Lost Ladies of Lit is produced by Kim Askew and Amy Helms.